You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Before I say anything, I just have to say go Chargers. I'm going to put that out there. Where's the five Charger fans in the room? <laughs> it's good to see everybody. Happy Sunday, everyone. Yes. Live stream, hello to you. Those outside, hi everybody, good to see you guys. Um, before I get into the lesson, we have some exciting stuff. Let me get this going. We're continuing by his power and for his glory. This is our, our delve into 1 Peter 4. Some, some really good stuff, some fun things that we're going to get into shortly. I do have a couple shout outs, one of which is my son Cyrus, a.k.a. Sci-Sci. Today is four years old. Yes, yes. If you've met Cyrus, he's either smiling and loves you, or he looks like he wants to fight you. It's really nothing in between. <laughs> um, that being said, some more exciting stuff. My mom is out today, so that's great. She is, yeah, yeah. Let me clap that up. She's your sister in Christ of past about 10 years, right, Ben? Right, yeah, 10 years, yeah. Um, also, a uh, couple of buddies from basketball came out, AJ and KG, so hello to them. Greet them right in the front right there. They are hoopers. They, they can ball. I think AJ dunked on someone last time on Thursday. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the lesson, but some good things. Um, that being said, before we get into some really fun stuff, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. You're an amazing God. You're a wonderful Father. And to be able to come together, Father, on a Sunday to worship you, sing praises to you, God, to see each other's faces, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a privilege to be a family. We pray, God, that is, you know, that I know you're already encouraged by the songs, and I just pray, God, as I'm up here speaking, Father, that it is your words, that your spirit takes over, that our hearts are opened and ready to hear whatever it is that you have for us, God, that your spirit is in control, guiding and directing our hearts. We thank you so much for this time, God. We love you and praise for your son's most holy and perfect name. Amen. All right, so let's get into it. Some fun stuff. Don't be overwhelmed by the giant font here, but in 1 Peter 4, um, we're going to get into, start in verse 7. I'm going to focus specifically on verse 11 today, but let's read from the top. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober minds that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Verse 11 is our kicker today. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. We'll stop there. You can highlight it right there so you can see it. Our title for today's lesson is God Speak. God Speak. So some quick historical context. We're looking at 1 Peter, right? Um, and Brian did a great job, obviously, of setting this up in our, in our first sermon, and uh, Owen went to love as well, but there was a lot historically that was occurring, one of which it's hard to think about, you know, this idea of the temple being destroyed in, in, in modern times, right? Because, you know, they're a theocracy, and it's this intersection, this temple between God and men. So they pilgrims there eight, you know, six to eight, how many times a year? Um, it's the governing spot. It's your religious spot. We have the White House, but we don't go pilgrims to the White House and offer up you know, prayers and sacrifices there. So it's hard for us to really grasp 
but this was happening in their world. This is a huge event, enormous event. Peter commissioned Savannah to write this book uh, to Christians that were being persecuted in, in, in the area of Asia Minor. So Asia Minor, you have the church of uh, Galatia. Um, there's some other ones as well, but I think that's the one that we can think of um, that comes up the most. And it was written mainly to uh, Christians who were Gentiles. Some obviously Jewish as well, but prim prim uh, primarily Christians that were Gentiles. Did you guys see the last slide for last time? Was it this one? Oh, so you guys didn't see this one. Oh, okay, so we had this, this little, little delay. So take a look at that slide. I saw your faces. I'm like, what's wrong with their faces? This one was wrong. So this is the information that we're looking for. There's a little bit of a delay on that. So we'll, we'll figure that out. I think we're good now. Spiritual context. The end of all things is near. So that verse 7, right? The end of all things is near. I'm not sure what that brings to your mind when you hear that phrase. For me, I used to think of Arnold Schwarzenegger um, in the End of Days movie that came out in 1999. I don't know if you guys know that one. It's a vague reference. Um, but, you know, different things kind of come to mind. But usually it's something about it creates a sense of, like, a little bit of fear, a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of concern. For the Jews that are watching the temple be destroyed, their whole world is being up, you know, it's literally turned upside down. So how do they process that? For the past 19 months, many, many of our world has been turned upside down and trying to process that. And so we have different responses that we can make. Uh, if any of you are 30 and over, you should know, you should know Will that, will that, will, will, Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. In the 80s and 90s, before everyone that had a phone would do some kind of spoof or parody, this guy was king. He was. Um, was that? I heard you say something. <laughs> but in this case, he's wearing a tinfoil hat. And so what's the point of that? You know, if the end is nigh, we can get deep into conspiracy theories, yes? And uh, the way the you know, algorithms work in social media, I mean, if you want to, you can go to this echo chamber and just kind of disappear. Um, the analogy that was used before in our first sermon was uh, this gentleman that got really into Al Gore's uh, you know, climate changing presentation and learned the presentation and had, you know, kind of just went on this pilgrimage doing so and it, how much it affected his family because, as a result. The other uh, reaction we can have with the end is nigh is we could do the Carlton dance and just have a good old time. And in the spirit of Luke 12, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> but it's something like, you know, something like that, something like that. That's all you're going to get. I'm the two-stepper in the family. My wife is the one with the rhythm, so amen. But we can have this response, right? This response where uh, we just focus on ourselves. In Luke 12, in the parable of the rich fool, it says, eat, drink, and be merry. So we just accumulate wealth. We have fun. We just live our best life without too much concern of anyone else. Clearly there's a middle ground, yes? I know I'm being a little bit facetious with these pictures, but there is a better focus. And when it comes to speaking the word of God, there's two questions that come up when I think about this verse. One, how should the word of God be spoken? If we're talking about if anyone speaks, he should speak as one speaking the word of God. So I think the natural thought of that is how should the word of God be spoken? And two, what does God want spoken from our mouths? And this, we're going to get a little topical today in terms of the scriptures that we look at. There's three that here that I want to reference. This first one's in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. It says, For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, this is, this is Paul talking, right? And so Paul was the individual who persecuted Christians. 
Um, he had this revelatory experience on the road to Damascus, saw this light, and Jesus is basically telling him that you're persecuting me. So you want to talk about an individual that was compelled to preach the good news. It was Paul. He had all the incentive to do so. He felt that responsibility. He felt that commission. He felt that calling. In Acts 4, 30 and 31, it says, stretch out your hands. And this, in context, is Peter and John making a prayer, right? They're making a prayer right after they spoke with the religious leaders of the day. Religious leaders were telling them to stop talking about Jesus. Hard to do so because a miracle was just performed. Someone that was healed who was over 40 years old. So the people are praising God. The leaders are not sure what, how to punish them or what to say, but they just tell them to stop talking is in essence what happens. Right after this next chapter, they get thrown in jail, Peter and John do, and get beaten and flogged. But this is their prayer. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's the key. They spoke the word of God boldly. How should the word of God be spoken? And I've been up here a couple of times, and I, I'm looking back at different sermons, and I've said being bold, I think, multiple times. I don't think it's just because I'm a broken record. I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to be bold. Someone I think in my life that's a good example of this, and I don't want this you know, become a Butler family sermon, but is my wife. My wife is a bold woman. And it worked out great for me because I'm very much of a people pleaser. And so God knew this right off the bat. He knew that I was going to need someone that I could speak with and talk with on a daily basis that wasn't afraid to say the truth literally to anyone and everyone. I'm not talking about flying off the handle. I'm not talking about not using wisdom. I'm talking about when the truth needs to be said. How is it spoken? Baby, thank you for being an example of this for me. Love you in this one. Luke 6. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, in his heart. An evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory. I think of this scripture in the sense of uh, my kids. My, my children, uh, ages 8 and 6, Darius and Leah, we would um, you know, have new neighbors. Let's say we're in Vegas and we move, right? And so we're, we're walking with our new neighbors and they have kids. And one of the first things that our, our children would ask, our new neighbor, they look up at and say, do you know God? First thing. And this would elicit different responses. One of the responses would be, yes, of course, I go to church and I love God and he's great. And then other times they look at my kids and be like, the heck did they just say? <laughs> What's the point? The point is, is that what is overflowing from your heart? The beauty of our children that I was very excited to see that in that moment is because they saw us. They heard the teachings, they're, they're reading the scriptures, they're seeing all of you, they're going to church, and they were inspired. So when they saw people that they didn't know, their first thought that came to mind wasn't, I want to go play with the toys or something else, it was, do they know God? What is overflowing from your heart this morning? You know, I, I'm a Charger fan, a little bit, right? Can't lie, big Monday night victory, like sports like basketball. Um, I used to like working out, not so much lately. Um, but, you know, we have all these different interests, all these things that we enjoy on this earth. What is the good that is overflowing from your heart this morning? You know, it should be a very natural experience when you're speaking the words of God, and this is something I always hated. I always hated, like, someone was trying to, like, sales pitch me. 
And it, you know, like someone walks up to you and they want to talk to you, and I'm like, what, what, is, what is this? Like, this is so awkward, you know, like, ooh. Like. But what happens when it's just the natural inclination of your heart? What happens when it's a life that is storing up good things? You're reading the scriptures, you're applying the scriptures, you're spending time with people that love God and love, love, love the word of God. When you do this habitually, you're walking with God, you're talking with him. It's not awkward. It's quite natural. So when you speak, when we speak the words of God, we should feel compelled. We should feel bold. But we should also feel like it's just something that comes out from us. And we could talk to anyone and everyone about it. It's the beauty of storing up good things in our hearts. You know, my hope is that we feel very comfortable doing this on a regular basis, that it's not something that just is relegated to church. You know, it's not something where we have the conversations here, but whether you're at work, whether you're at school, wherever you're at, people can see that the overflow of your heart is something that is good. It bears good fruit, as it were. Moving on. What does God want spoken? So we've heard the idea of how God wants his word to be spoken, getting a little topical. But what does God want spoken? Well, I can tell you a couple things that God doesn't want spoken. <laughs> in James 1.26, it says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and the religion is worthless. Ooh, shots fired, bang, bang, bang. Let me say that again. <laughs> if you consider yourself religious, so I am pious because I do whatever good deeds, or I go to church, Yet you do not keep a tight rein on your tongue. You deceive yourself, and the religion is worthless. That, I, I feel like I have to preface that because I've seen too much, you know, even when I was, I remember like 17, 18, I thought I was a Christian. Or I'd seen so many situations where people would, would say, and they don the, the term Christian. They say, yes, I am a disciple, whatever terminology you use. And then they're just saying some of the craziest stuff you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> You're talking about like misogynistic, uh, uh, sexist. Uh, uh, it's almost like Morse code if you were to, uh, to blot out all, their, all the, uh, the bad words. Like boop, 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 boop. Just kind of keep on going. And then next thing you know, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Jesus is great. And you're like, um, does anybody see the dichotomy here? You know, but we can get in that if we're not careful. But I feel like I have to say that because sometimes when coming and speaking the words of God or what does God want spoke, it's addition by subtraction. And we first have to eliminate that which God wants to get rid of. You know, you think about this. You know, are you keeping a tight rein in your DMs? I, I looked over here. That's where the teens are at. <laughs> tight, tight rein on your text messages. Tight rein on your social media posts. If I go Facebook, I look on this side of the room. <laughs> Snapchat, excuse me, Snapchat IG is like this way. No, the other ones I don't know yet. But are you keeping a tight rein? Are you saying whatever vitriol that comes out because you feel like it because you're entitled to it as an American? Well, that's another shot's fired. What is coming out? James 3, 5 through 8. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. That's not a very encouraging scripture. <laughs> oh, man. J James is one of those guys, like, if you just want to hear something straightforward, 
read the book of James. There, there is no fluff. Nothing superfluous. It's just saying the tongue will set you on fire by hell. You know, not a popular statement you want to hear nowadays. But what's the point? The point is our words. Oh, God, they're so important. If we don't keep a tight rein, the direction on which it sets the course of our life can be terrifying or extremely uplifting. What does God want spoken? Genesis 1, 3, 6, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1, 3, 6, and 14 is this notion of let there be. God said, let there be light. He also said, let there be a vault between you know, the, the water of the ocean and the sky. He also said, let there be additional lights, you know, like the stars that you see in heaven. Let there be. What does God want spoken? Now, as much as I would love to just speak and whatever would materialize in the universe based off my command, like let there be a, a burger in my hand. <laughs> and if you know me, it would be an impossible burger. Okay. All right? D don't hate on the pescatarians in the room, okay? Now some of you are judging me. But let there be. Yeah, don't judge me. Let there be. Think for yourselves. When you speak, are you letting there be life in this world? We're not going to create something simply by our words. Or are we? Think about that. When we say something, by faith, by the power of God, and I'm not talking about the law of attraction, I'm not talking about manifesting something, and these are kind of some popular thoughts that come out nowadays if you see this, definitely big on social media, it's this notion of trying to like bring things to you but cut God out of the equation and the universe gives you what you want. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a God in heaven who hears you, who you pray to, and you say, I want to see something. And God's like, I'm listening. What do you want to see? I want to see you work. I want to see you glorify in my marriage, with my kids, with our fellowship, with our groups, with our friendships. I want to see you work. And God's like, you know what? I like that. What do you have in mind? We can say things in the spirit of 1 John 5, and if it's according to God's will, he hears and he acts. Think about how exciting that is. You can participate in bringing life to people in such a way that they would not have experience had you talked to God, had you said it out loud. You are creating what you want to see in this world to glorify God. God is wanting to participate. He's like, I'm already doing the work. I want you to hop in with me and say my words, proclaim them boldly out of an overflow and watch what I build by what you have said. Why? Because I already said it. I'm already doing it. I want you to hop in as well. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I got to pull up a photo. Uh, anybody here do the parenting class? What do you guys think? You liking it? You feel overwhelmed by the material? A lot of good stuff, right? So there's a couple things that are in that class I really like. One of these is these examples that they give you of using words of life and elevating the virtue. Now, I might trigger some of you in your childhood, or it might be things that you're saying to your kids right now. But these are the things that it tells us that we, that we are saying in many cases, but we shouldn't. Listen to this. You might be convicted. For example, I have a daughter. One of the phrases commonly used is, because I have sons, stop hitting your sister. Or, 
you're driving me crazy. Or, why don't you listen to me? Or, stop whining. That was stupid. Be quiet. That was so mean. It's not that hard. That's, that was rude. Don't make a mess. You need to stop lying to us. Do I need to separate you? You are so disrespectful. We don't talk like that. Why are you cheating? That was a selfish thing to do your brother. You can be so inconsiderate. I can't trust you. Stop being so lazy. Watch what you're doing. Do any of those ring a bell? Raise your hand if you got triggered. No, no, don't, don't. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. So the point of this is that we're, we're elevating the virtue, right? We're not just focusing on the negative, but we're focused on what we actually want to see. So instead of using phrases like that, consider some of these. And I'm not big on speech monitoring, but I think these are worth trying to readjust our neural pathways into something that, let's say, is just a tad more positive and focus on where, where God wants us to go. So instead of saying, stop hitting your sister, you need to show kindness to your sister, elevating the virtue. You're driving me crazy. It's a pretty common one. Instead of you're driving me crazy, which I probably think I probably said this week, I need you to be patient and use self-control. Give you one more. Why don't you listen to me? You need to demonstrate respect and listen to what I'm saying. Do you see the difference? Does anybody feel convicted? Is it just me? I hear the same people saying yes. What about everybody else? There's very much this idea of bringing life into our words and what we say. A couple good things. It's something I'm, I'm excited about. You know, hey, shout out to basketball on Thursdays. Um, and uh, Janae and Megan, I don't think they're here. Are they here? Megan's here, yes. And so uh, we started just a rush week. I don't know if you know much about South Bay Church. I think you do a little bit. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of a campus ministry. And so and there's only two, you know, junior colleges in El Camino and Harbor. And so there's this idea, you know what, let's do a campus rush week. And we had a really fun jam night session. Um, a band came and played. They were, they were a little punk uh, in, their, in their style. So our ears were ringing for like the next day and a half. <laughs> but it was fun to see everybody out. You know, different, different groups, you know, whether it's some teens or campus age or a young singles age or some young marrieds. And you can see here just the camaraderie that's built. What was the words? The words were saying, you know what, we want to build up. This was the words. We want to build up the youth in South Bay. That was the words. God's working. He's bringing people. We're, we're building relationships. We're building unity. We're having time spent that you wouldn't normally have prior, but it starts with saying something and putting ourselves out there. This is the, uh, the singles luncheon that we have every quarter at, at Casa de Butler. It's a very famous restaurant. <laughs> the food varies from Polynesian to Mexican and the like, depending on what we order that time. I'm very encouraged to see the singles and to see the camaraderie that they're building, to see uh, what God is doing, simply by just saying what we want to do, putting ourselves out there in our words and watching God work. It's a great example of seeing unity and love because of words. God speak practicals. If you notice, these practicals are all very similar. It just focuses on different areas of our life. There is life that has to be spoken by our words into different aspects of our world, whether it's at school and work, with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, to our children, to our friends, what do we post online? What happens when we don't speak this type of truth? What happens when we say negative things instead? You get these bottlenecks. 
You get places where we should be experiencing growth, but instead we're stuck. Your marriage can get stuck. Your parenting can get stuck. Your relationships, your friendships can be stagnant, have people in your life that don't help you to grow. Why? Nine times out of ten is because the life-giving words that need to be spoken are not. So consider this aspect for yourself, these different you know, parts of your life. Where does the truth, that life-giving truth, need to be spoken? If there's anything you remember from today, a couple things. Please recall these ones. Speak boldly. How does one speak the word of God? Word of God, I should say. You speak in such a way that you're confident. I walk on stage usually every time before I speak, and I'm terrified. <laughs> you might not know that about me. But I believe that the Holy Spirit inside of me wants to speak and has something to say. So I'm willing to put myself in situations that stretch me where I feel challenged because I know that God's spirit is going to work and it's going to work powerfully. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in others' lives. So when you speak the words of God, we are not to be timid. We are not to be shy about it. It doesn't mean you're overbearing, rude, and disrespectful, but you can, you can put your chest out a little bit. It's okay. Why? Because you know what God has done in your life. This is not a sales pitch. This is a life well lived. Speak from a good heart. When you speak the words of God, let it be sincere. Let it not operate off of rote memory and tradition and the right thing that you know what to say. Search your heart. Truly search your heart. And when you do, and when you've filled yourself up with all these good things, what overflows is from a good heart. And last but not least, speak life. It's easy to chop things down. Easy to cut people down. Easy to have opinions and put our pinkies out and be critiques about everything that happens in church or outside of a church. How about instead of doing that, let's focus on what we can build. What can we create by what we say? Leading into communion, this is the last thing that Jesus said when he's on the cross in Luke 24, 44 through 46. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. So this is the middle of the day, Jesus on the cross, all of a sudden it's dark. The sun stopped shining. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. We talked about that temple, right, where the holiest of holies, where God's spirit lied, where it's just this, this mecca for, for all things of Jewish culture and worship and everything. The temple curtain was torn in two. God's spirit had left. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, the last words that he says on the cross before he, he died, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. As you take communion this morning, let us think about, even in the most dire, difficult situation, all he's thinking about is going to be with his Father. When we take communion in the bread and the juice, allow us to consider what is overflowing from our hearts. If there's ever a moment where Jesus could have felt selfish and felt like he felt, uh, let's just say, open to say whatever he felt, kind of like that, that allowance of, I'm going through something, therefore I can just lash out. In that most difficult situation, all he thought about was being with his Father. Let us be with the Father this morning as we take communion. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. We can think about your Son as the perfect example of what to say, not just from a speech-monitoring standpoint, God, but from the overflow of the heart. He walked with you, God. He, he talked with you. It says that he... He was heard because of the loud cries and submission that he offered up while he was on earth. 
Help us to be a people, God, that store up so much good that we breathe life into any and every situation, God. Whether we're at church, whether at work, at school, wherever it is, God, that our words reflect that your son died for us. We thank you so much, God, for his sacrifice as we take the bread and the juice this morning. We love you. Praise to your son's most holy and perfect name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.